Hi, welcome to another episode of Audio Law, the law podcast for busy people, brought to you by Illustrated Law. I'm Claudia Opper, and today we'll be discussing the case Enright v. Groves, 39, Colorado Court of Appeals, 39, from the year 1977. As you listen to this podcast, please consider donating to help support the show. You can do so by going to illustratedlaw.com. There you'll see a green donate button on the homepage. Whatever you're able to give, whether it's a dollar, two dollars, it helps us in being able to create more episodes like this one. So without further ado, let's get to the facts of the case. On August 25, 1974, Officer Groves, while on duty as a uniformed police officer of the city of Fort Collins, observed a dog running loose in violation of the city's dog leash ordinance. He observed the animal approaching what was later identified as the residence of Mrs. Enright, the plaintiff. As Groves approached the house, he encountered Mrs. Enright's 11-year-old son, and asked him if the dog belonged to him. The boy replied that it was his dog, and told Groves that his mother was sitting in the car parked at the curb by the house. Groves then ordered the boy to put the dog inside the house, and turned and started walking toward the Enright vehicle. Groves testified that he was met by Mrs. Enright, with whom he was not acquainted. She asked if she could help him. Groves responded by demanding her driver's license. She replied by giving her name and address. He again demanded her driver's license, which she declined to produce. Groves thereupon advised her that she could either produce her driver's license or go to jail. Mrs. Enright responded by asking, quote, isn't this ridiculous, unquote. Groves thereupon grabbed one of her arms, stating, quote, let's go, unquote. One eyewitness testified that Mrs. Enright cried out that Groves was hurting her. Her son, who was just a few feet away at the time of the incident, testified that his mother also screamed and tried to explain that her arm dislocated easily. Groves refused to release her arm, and Mrs. Enright struck him in the stomach with her free hand. Groves then seized both arms and threw her to the ground. With her lying on her stomach, he brought one of her arms behind her in order to handcuff her. She continued to scream in pain and asked him to stop hurting her. Groves pulled her up and propelled her to his patrol car, where, for the first time, he advised her that she was under arrest. She was taken to the police station, where a complaint was signed charging her with violation of the dog leash ordinance, and bail was set. Mrs. Enright was released only after a friend posted bail. She was later convicted of the ordinance violation. Unrebutted testimony by her physician at trial disclosed that she had a long history of shoulder dislocations in both arms prior to this incident, and that she had undergone surgery on both shoulders for this condition. The surgery on the left shoulder resulted in some restriction of movement, and if the arm was forced back, It was extremely painful. 
The surgery done on the right shoulder did not correct the dislocation problem, and the evidence presented to the jury showed that if the arm was pushed back beyond a certain point, that a painful dislocation would in fact then take place. So, the issue of the case. Defendants contend that there was a lawful arrest. The reasoning. False arrest arises when one is taken into custody by a person who claims but does not have proper legal authority. Accordingly, a claim for false arrest will not lie if an officer has a valid warrant or probable cause to believe that an offense has been committed and that the person who was arrested committed it. Conviction of the crime for which one is specifically arrested is a complete complete defense defense to a subsequent subsequent claim of false arrest. Here, however, the evidence is clear that Groves arrested Mrs. Enright not for violation of the dog leash ordinance, but rather for refusing to produce her driver's license. This basis for the arrest is exemplified by the fact that he specifically advised her that she would either produce the license or go to jail. We find no statute or case law in this jurisdiction which requires a citizen to show her driver's license upon demand, unless, for example, she's a driver of an automobile and such demand is made in that connection. There was no testimony that Groves ever even attempted to explain why he was demanding plaintiff's driver's license and it is clear that she had already volunteered her name and address. Groves admitted that he did not ask Mrs. Enright if she had any means of identification on her person. Instead, he simply demanded that she give him her driver's license. That wraps up the reasoning for the case, and before we move on, let's hear about this episode's sponsor. This episode was brought to you by Illustrated Law. Unlike traditional law books, Illustrated Law books have illustrations, practice questions with answers, key takeaway summaries, and so much more. It's the simple way to learn law efficiently. There are currently three Illustrated Law books available, and those are Constitutional Law, Torts Concepts, and Criminal Procedure, Investigation, and Justice. Order your illustrated law book today on Amazon for only $15. Let's wrap up this case with the holding and a key takeaway. We'll start with the holding. Grove's demand for Ms. Enright's driver's license was not a lawful order, and that refusal to comply therewith was not therefore an offense in and of itself. Groves was not, therefore, entitled to use force in arresting Mrs. Enright. Thus, Groves' defense, based upon an arrest for and conviction of a specific offense, must, as a matter of law, fail. So what's the key takeaway here? Restraint includes apparent legal authority. 
to me, there seems like there's a lot of moving parts in this case. So just to be clear, let's sum this up one more time. The defendant, as a police officer, had apparent legal authority, but he was arresting the plaintiff for not producing a license, and that wasn't a legal form of restraint. Therefore, we see how the defendant was in violation of false imprisonment by using his apparent legal authority to restrain someone when he had no legal right to restrain that person. So let's go back to that key takeaway one more time. Restraint includes apparent legal authority. There you have Inright v. Groves. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast helpful, make sure to tell your friends about Audio Law and check out some of our other podcasts. As Audio Law is the law podcast for busy people, I hope this episode helped make your day a little less busy. Thank you.